If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John. We just sang, I will rise. What will it be like to rise from the dead? What will it be like when he calls your name? How will it happen? Some people, as we heard in the marvelous testimony of our brother David, some people believe they will hear the voice of Jesus and he will summon them to heaven. Other people, perhaps, in this assembly this morning are not so sure. Can dead people really rise, or do you just remain worm food? If you're our guest today, we've been studying through the fifth and the sixth chapters of the Gospel of John in a marvelous series where Jesus Christ is revealing Himself especially to the religious leaders of his day. He's performing miracles, right? And the people are gripped by his teaching and his power, but the religious leaders are turned off. And Jesus makes some people mad, and Jesus makes some people glad. And the question that we're asking ourselves each week is, into which category do I fall? Am I one who delights in Jesus and His Word, or am I one who is indifferent or even hostile to Him? So in our passage today, on this Easter Sunday, it is a marvelous providence of God. I just laid out the texts, and guess what came up for April 5th? This passage, John 5, 24 through 29 Listen to the words of Jesus as He speaks to those who want to put Him to death. And He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears My word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself, and He has given Him authority to execute judgment, because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. So far, the reading of God's Word. Did you hear Him? An hour is coming and is now here. Something is going to happen. What will happen? Two points, only two this morning. The first is that resurrection life, according to Jesus, 
is ours in this present age. Verses 24 through 27. The first thing I want us to hear from Jesus is that the people who believe in Him, He says, the people who hear My word and believe in Him who sent Me, they have passed, have passed from death to life. And He's talking in this point about spiritual life. We know that because already back in chapter 3, he spoke to Nicodemus about the fact that you must be born again. You must, in this life, experience regeneration, being made alive in God. And Nicodemus said, huh? How can this be? And Jesus teaches. He teaches something that's hard to hear about the human condition, that the human being in his or her selfishness, pride, ignorance, idolatry, exists in a state of spiritual death. But he tells Nicodemus that the wind of God's Spirit will blow where it will. And he tells us here that certain people will hear his voice and believe and pass from death to life. And then Jesus says something astounding in verse 26. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. Jesus claims to be the source of life. Now, everybody knows God is the source of life, right? And even the people who wanted to put Jesus to death, they knew God Sure, they believed. They weren't atheists. They believed God has the source of life. But what made the hair on the back of their neck stand up and their clenched fists, knuckles turn white was this statement that Jesus says, the Father has given me the authority to give life, to be born again, to pass from death to life. Now, when you hear that, Does that make you mad, or does that make you glad? So the question is very simple. Have you come to the place in your life where you have heard the the word of Jesus, and with joy in your heart, humility in your soul, you've come to the place to bow the knee and to acknowledge Him as your Messiah, as your Lord, as your Savior. I told you last week, the first and greatest step you can take is to believe what God says about His Son. And after, as He is going to raise Lazarus from the dead, He speaks to Mary and Martha in John chapter 11. And He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he puts it right to her. You remember that? Do you believe this? How would you answer him? She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ who is to come into the world. Here and now, it's a present reality. The first greatest step of faith is to believe in Jesus. But the second greatest step of faith, then, is to believe what God says about you who have believed. And Jesus tells us in verse 24, if you have believed, you have passed from death to life. You have been given new life. You are regenerate. That's a fancy 
theological term for being born again. Do you believe this about yourself? You know, the Apostle Paul picks up on this theme in Romans 6, 13 and 14. He says, he says something really interesting here. He says, do not present your members as sins to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought, here it comes, from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And I should have included the next verse. It says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Men and women, boys and girls, young and old, black or white, Republican or Democrat, if you're a Christian, your sins are forgiven. You're under grace. And you leave your regrets and your failures behind you. You plant your sins with the cross. And you say, I am alive. I'm alive in Jesus Christ. You know, at our Tuesday night men's group, we've been talking about these past couple of Tuesdays, what does it mean to be men who are alive in Christ? And we, you know, we, the, the, the discussion is pretty frank, and it gets pretty real. We talk about how masculinity in our world, uh, in, this, in the culture in which we live, is measured by, one person said, the three B's, your billfold, the ball field, and the bedroom. And if you're a real man in our world, you got lots of money, and you're a star athlete, and you are sexually proud, and a someone who's proud of his conquests, and that's what masculinity is in our culture. But what does it mean for a Christian man to be alive in Christ? And to present yourself alive to God. And gentlemen, these discussions are going to continue for the next couple of months. We invite you to join us on Tuesday nights. But here's, here's what the, the conclusion is. The conclusion is not that we become androgynous or wimpy. But that we who are alive in Christ experience, and this is what the, with the term we've come up with, we experience surrendered strength as men alive in Christ. And we begin to discover, yeah, there are patterns of sin in our lives, ways in which we hurt our wives or our children or others with our tongue. And we begin to discover sources of greed and lust that are unhealthy inside of us. And we want to present ourselves to God as alive in Christ, and to put off the old man, and through the cross put on the new. We want to be alive in Christ, strong, resolute, confident in Him. Does that make sense to you? See, this is what Jesus is saying. We've passed from death to life. Why would we live this way? Is it because our wives nag us? Is that going to make us better men? It's not going to make us better men. Why would children do what their parents tell them to do? Is because mom and dad have a list of community service activities that you better have on your college application. Is that why a teenager will do what is right and good? 
No. We do it because we are alive in Christ, under grace. And we present, he says, present yourself to God. And so just at the end of point one, I want to simply say, present yourself to God as someone who's alive, if you believe. Present yourself to God. Every morning when you wake up, do not simply say, Lord, I'm still alive. That's good. Right, David? It's good. Every morning you can still wake up and say, Lord, I'm alive. But what you need to wake up and say is, Lord, I'm alive in Christ, and I present myself to you. And as you take your children to school, you pray for them, and you pray, Lord, let them know they're alive in Christ. And as you send your children off to college, you pray for them, Lord, let them be alive to Christ. You see, you're alive. I'm so excited to be a part of a family that believes they're alive in Christ. Now, while Jesus is speaking all of this about spiritual life here and now in this age, then he begins to speak of the future. And he speaks in the same breath, verse 27, and he has given me authority to execute judgment, he says, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who've done good to the resurrection of life, those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And there's just three things here we see in verse 27 that Jesus announces He is the judge. Did you know that about Jesus? He says He's the judge. He told us that back in our first Sunday in this Verse 22, the Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son. This made their knuckles white and the hair stand up. Who does he think he is? But he calls himself the Son of Man. And when you hear this, yes, we think of his humanity, but that's not what he's talking about here. Your mind, I hope, goes back to Daniel chapter 7 in the Old Testament. In this amazing moment when we, we are told, I looked, listen to this, or you can read it on the back of your sermon outline, I looked and thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seat, his clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool, his throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire, a stream of fire issued and came out from before him, a thousand thousands served him. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. Now, what happens in Daniel 7? I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. There he is, a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days And he was presented before him, and to him was given glory and dominion, a kingdom, and that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him, and his dominion is an everlasting kingdom, and is one that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. And Jesus says, that's me. So Jesus tells us today, 
He is the judge of all the earth. And then he explains, secondly, that physical death is not the end of our existence. We will rise. I will rise, Lisa sang. I will rise, you sang. We all joined in. I will rise. The world thinks about this resurrection from the dead in all kinds of funny ways. Have you ever read Frankenstein? You know, the sewing together of corpses and reanimation through electricity. Or zombies. Of course, zombies are very big today. Is that what's going to happen? Not at all. Jesus tells us. His voice will call us out of the grave, both believers and unbelievers. And maybe He'll use music as well. Because it says in 1 Corinthians that the trumpet will sound. The last trumpet, so there might maybe a bunch of trumpets, and the trumpet will sound, the music will play, and you and I will rise from the dead. I, I, what's that like? I don't know. Star Trek, beam me up, transporter. What's it going to be like? I don't know. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, my favorite explanation, which is like a seed to a flower. And do you realize that this beautiful tulip is the result of a wrinkled brown, dried up little bulb, a seed, a seed that's not much to look at. This is a good looking group here, good looking group. But the Bible says, compared to what we will be When we are raised from the dead, we are a brown, shriveled, shrunken, dried-out seed. And then we hear His name, and we rise and receive a new body. And what happens? Verse 29, those who have done good, to resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. He tells us that his audience will then be two groups. Two groups. Got it? One group to the resurrection of life, and what does it say in the text about them? This first group, they are the ones who hear his voice, who have believed, who've passed from death to life, They have passed through the judgment, it says. They do not come into judgment, for they have received grace. And it's in the past, according to verse 24. And in their new life that was presented to God as they lived, what happened? They did good works. They did. And Christians do good works. And it all comes together for the glory of God. My favorite description of this is in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Listen carefully. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And we know that in this church, don't we? We know you can't earn your salvation. Your good works will never merit salvation, and yet... You know the next verse in Ephesians 2, verse 10? For we forget this verse because we love the first one so much. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And the Lord will think of every good deed you did to raise your children in Christ. He will remember every time you had some courage and witnessed for your faith. He will remember every day you went to work and you worked as unto the Lord. He will remember every word of courage you spoke, every time you gave to the poor, every time you supported the church. He will remember and He's going to celebrate it as He welcomes you into your heavenly home. The good, those who've done good deeds, will rise to the resurrection life. But the second group, those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I don't think about this a lot. I let the holier people, Jonathan Edwards and Dante, think about it. But I think about it enough to be scared of hell. Do you think about it enough to be scared of hell? I do. I, re- I read uh, from Dante's Inferno this week. What a book. You remember Virgil takes Dante to the gate of hell and there's a sign over the top of the gate and what does it say? Does anyone remember? Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. And Virgil sees it and he hears the cries and the wails of the people who are being shipped off into hell and he faints. I didn't read the whole book, but I, I, did, I did go back to circle four. Why would I go read circle four of Dante's Inferno? Because that's where the preachers and the cardinals and the popes were. The hypocrite speakers in the church. And that was terrible. And juxtaposed with them were those people who are Filled with anger. People who have anger problems. People who have anger problems. Filled with fury. There's nothing they enjoy more than spewing their anger out at other people. That's circle five. And they are in the mud by the river sticks. And they are cursing each other and punching and pounding each other and biting each other for all eternity in the filth. Their anger, their fury never abated by the love of Jesus Christ. Preachers, self-righteous, condemned. So I did read that this week. You know, this is terrible, and some of you are saying, I don't like this. And I talk to a lot of people, and I'll talk to any one of you who would like to discuss this matter. But when a person says, I don't think this sounds right, what, what kind of God is this? I turn them to our next verse, verse 30 in John 5. And I get such comfort from verse 30. For Jesus says, the great judge, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And I just say, you know what? This isn't my problem. This is up to Jesus. And Jesus is just. Jesus is in sync with the heavenly Father. And I guarantee you, no one will be in hell who says, it's not fair. Okay? Because Jesus said, 
He said, trust me on this. Folks, Jesus says, trust me. I'm just. I do what's right. And I leave it there. So, let me conclude. We celebrate today the resurrection of Jesus Christ in space and time, in history. But Jesus not only speaks of the event, He interprets it for us. He, he explains it to you today. Have you heard His voice? And, and I don't want to be disobedient to Jesus, but when He says in verse 28, do not marvel at this, <laughs> I find that hard to obey. Don't you? I marvel. I marvel at this one who is the judge of all the earth and whose voice will raise you and me from the dead. And we will pass from death to life. We are through the judgment because he was judged in our place. And I can't wait to see him. At many funeral services, some of you have heard me oversee funeral gatherings in this church, and I sometimes read from the end of C.S. Lewis's great book, The Last Battle. And Aslan, the Christ figure, tells Peter, Edmund, and Lucy that they are now dead. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them down. And for us, this is the end of all stories, and we can most truly say they lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All of their life in this world and all of their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read and that goes on forever. If you've not been born again in this life, if you're still spiritually dark and dead here, listen, has He summoned you today? I pray He summoned you today and humbled you as we've all been humbled here. If you're still in the place where you are afraid of death and of judgment, hear His voice today so that when you rise up from the grave, your judgment will have passed and the good works He prepared for you to do, you will have done and He will get glory and celebrate them over you. And if you haven't begun doing the good works, and that's between you and God, repenting of your sins and exercising your new life in Him, why not? Why not? North Shore Community Church, could we be the light of the world and the hands and feet and voice of Jesus Christ in this world doing good works as the church together gathered and as the church together scattered across New York? I will rise when He calls my name. Let us pray. Our Father, we do pray now that our souls would be awake, awake in You. Give us ears to hear now and on that great day 
And if you're here today and you would say, I think this is a good day for me to surrender myself and submit myself to the Lord Jesus, that take that first great step of faith, then you do that now as we sing together and sense His wonderful, regenerating power inside of you. Would the rest of us go forth from this place as those who love our Lord and Savior to do those amazing works that He's prepared for us to do. We thank You, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.